fundamental question that is faced by sports is do they want, will the industry ever allow somebody to tell the truth on the air? But I don't think that today that will ever happen again. I don't think the industry will allow it. All right, baby, it's time to roll. Let's roll, baby. We rolling. Live from the hotbed of mixed martial arts in Las Vegas, your host, pro MMA expert Larry Pepe, takes you into the completely uncut world of MMA. Warning, not for the faint of heart. Pro-MMA Radio is not responsible for any side effects, which may include extreme excitement, increased adrenaline levels, and a sudden desire to kick ass. Are you ready? Larry, let's do it. Welcome to the 500th episode of Pro-MMA Radio. Very proudly, the official radio show of the American Forces Network, Heard in 170 countries and 150 ships at sea. I am your host, Larry Pepe. And as you all know from the announcement on last week's show, this will be the last episode of the show. And it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to put together, to think about what you want to say, how you want to wrap it all up, if you will. So... The most obvious place for me to start is with a general and gigantic thank you for all of the social media messages and emails that I received since making the announcement last week. The stories about families sitting around listening to the show each week together, Um, privately and publicly, many of you shared how the show has been there for you or what impact or how it's played some role in your lives. Uh, The emotions that some of you shared with me, the appreciation, the props, truly amazing. Every, every message story was like a gift for me. Because what a lot of you may not know is that when I do the show, I'm in large part in a bubble. I don't take calls. I'm not interacting with anybody. I record by myself and then I send the clips to my engineer who lives across the country from me. It's not like we're in the same room. So my point is when you do a show like this, you're very much in isolation and you put it out And you move on to the next week, the next set of stories, the next set of fights, whatever the case might be. And it's easy to lose sight of or not understand whatever impact the show is having on people out there. Now, sure, over the years, tons of people have shared things with me, and that's been great. But since the announcement last week, getting in the most positive way, bombarded, and I loved being bombarded, and I love every story that's been sent or that will be sent. But getting that all in a condensed period of time and people speaking about the show and what impact or what role it's played uh, in their lives, no matter how small, uh, was really just amazing. And I've said many, many times that I have the best listeners in MMA and words cannot express how proud I am 
of the Truth Army. And I'm really good with words. So for me to be almost speechless is no small accomplishment to all of you. I am absolutely moved by what went on this week. So I want to start um, with a little bit of a history on the show, just because we have so many new listeners, AFN, all the people who serve, uh, came to us about six years ago. We've been doing the show four years before that. And I've mentioned my mom on this show, and it's only appropriate, given that this is her uh, birthday, will be the release of the 500th show. Uh, the show was her idea, not mine. Uh, she was uh, visiting because she had moved to Las Vegas. I was already in Vegas. Her home wasn't ready yet, so she stayed with me for a little while. And it was at the time of the first season of The Ultimate Fighter when people actually used to watch. And I was watching, and she sat down and watched, and all of a sudden I noticed each week she was asking if that show was going to be on. And she started watching, then she started watching the fights and the pay-per-views and so on. So it actually became kind of a cool thing that we ended up sharing, which has been great. But she obviously did not know much about the sport, so I would explain things to her. And she said to me, you know, you really should do something with this. You really should, because if you can explain it to me, you can explain it to anybody. And I wrote it off. She's my mom. She probably could have probably thought I had a shot at beating George St. Pierre. So it's your mom. You move along. At the time, a friend of mine in Florida was uh, doing a bodybuilding radio show, which many of you know, I kind of came out of that world. And I had done a bodybuilding show before doing pro MMA radio. And he asked me, because he wanted to extend his show a half hour, if I would do the last half hour for the sponsorships that he had there and so on. And I said I would as long as I could bring on anybody I wanted. I said because I've been interviewing bodybuilders and have been in this world for a long time, kind of interested in other things, and I want to bring on some fighters and talk to them, talk about their training and so on and so forth. He said you could do whatever you want. It's your hour, your half hour, I'm sorry. So the first two people I brought on, not from the bodybuilding community, were Uriah Faber. He was first and James Irvin. And Jeff Meyer was their manager. And I had worked through him to get the both of them on. I'd actually met Uriah at a bodybuilding event in Columbus, Ohio. He gave me the number and we set it up. And after those two interviews, Jeff Meyer called me and he said, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, sure. And he said, you know, I listened to the two interviews with Uriah and James, and they were two of the best interviews I've ever heard them do. And both of them want to come on anytime you want, blah, 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 blah. And I just thought he was kind of blowing smoke. And I said, hey, it's real nice of you to say, blah, blah, blah. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. You know, you should be doing something in MMA. And I started laughing. And he said, what's so funny? I said, My mom's been telling me this for about six months. And he said, well, your mom's right. So three weeks later, Pro MMA Radio was born. And aside from Jeff Meyer, I have to give credit to another individual. His name is Will Wiedemann. And Will was one of the main guys at Bodybuilding.com. And again, I had some relationships there. I knew those people. They knew me. I told him that I was going to do an MMA show. And they immediately sponsored the show and became a sponsor of the show. And the cool thing is that we became a multiple-time podcast of the year winner 
at bodybuilding.com, even though we aren't a bodybuilding show. We're an MMA show. And we beat out all the bodybuilding and fitness shows. We had more listeners than anybody. We were voted the podcast of the year multiple times. And Will's faith in the project, Will's commitment to promoting the project, really was a big driver of our early success. We had MuscleTech was our first supplement sponsor for the first year. The next two years, we had Ultimate Nutrition. And a lot of that really grew out of Will's faith in me and putting out a professional show and then the reception that we got on bodybuilding.com, which was amazing. Uh, That ties into a question from one of my uh, Truth Army members from Twitter, Mr. E, about whether I've enjoyed covering bodybuilding or MMA more. I can't really say. I think I enjoyed them both at a very high level at different times. At the time that I got into MMA, about 10 10 years ago or so, uh, I definitely enjoyed it more than bodybuilding because I had already covered bodybuilding for so long. But the time that I was in bodybuilding, when I was really passionate about it and intense about it, uh, I would say was very similar to MMA. Maybe MMA just a little bit more because there's so much more to analyze. And that's really where I live, as you all know, opinion and analysis. In bodybuilding, we have a couple of big events a year. The really big one is the Mr. Olympia. Um, and that, that event was always my favorite single event to be involved with in either sport. But it's once a year. And in MMA, as again, you all know from listening to the show on a weekly basis, there's so much to analyze, so much to, to peel the onion back on and rip apart um, that I think that for me has been, I would say, the more interesting and the more enjoyable because there's more information and more, more raw data to work with. Um, and the reality is in the beginning of the show, I was very, very positive about what the UFC was doing because they were running the show like a sport and not like a sideshow, not like a circus that it has turned into now. And the ratings, by the way, and the interest in the sport and the sponsorship that was pouring into the sport – all showed it. All showed it. You can't get away from the numbers. I know Dana White wants to, but you can't. And then, at some point, things changed with the show. And I decided to move more towards straight commentary, opinion, and analysis. And we'll get to that next. This is Kane Velasquez, and you're listening to Pro MMA Radio. So right around the time that the UFC deal came into play, um, I was hired by Fox Sports Radio to be their first ever national MMA host, which was an honor, absolute honor. And because of that role, I was often in a position to talk by myself for 10 or 11 minutes at a time during a segment. And it's something that is kind of a skill that you have to develop. When I first did it, I remember the first couple of shows at FSR. uh, (laughs) It wasn't so smooth. And then at some point, I realized I wasn't looking at the clock anymore. And I realized that I was very comfortable doing what I've done here for the last six years. So between that, so many 
podcasts and radio shows and the fighters being interviewed everywhere and anywhere. I think the fighters were becoming much more guarded. The fighters were becoming a bit more careful, uh, corporate, if you will, understandably. Um, I found the, the interviews to be less interesting. I thought the UFC was also trying to control the message more. Uh, they wanted you to work through them to get the interviews. I never did that uh, and refused to do it. And at some point I thought, you know, there's so many interviews out there, but true, straight, unbiased commentary, opinion, and analysis uh, doesn't exist in this space except for the first segment of the show that I used to do. And I decided that I was going to switch the format. And that's when we went to AFN. And I am proud of my history with the show, the listeners that I proudly call the Truth Army. You are absolutely my MMA family. I am uh, also very proud that for the last six years, I have been blessed, honored to be the voice of the United States military throughout the world when it comes to MMA. And I'm also proud that many of you have called me the truth. It's a nickname that I wear uh, with my chest puffed out a little bit. Uh, I'm proud of the posts, the emails about this show being the only unbiased, no BS, tell it like it is source in MMA. Although it's a shame that it has been because if more outlets were more aggressive uh, about telling the truth and holding people accountable in power, we could have accomplished more, could have put them under more pressure. Because my goal with the show has always been to educate, to entertain, and to hold them accountable. There's a saying, who will guard the guardians? And holding those in power accountable for their actions giving them props when they do good, and holding them accountable when they don't is really, in my eyes, it's my vision of what any media should be doing. And I'm proud that we've exposed more BS and lies on this platform than any other outlet in MMA by a country mile. And we got so much right. The horror of TRT that is now gone. The refusal of the UFC to do random drug testing for years, and then the concerns that we brought out very early on about USADA and some of their questionable decisions in, in their history with boxing that unfortunately, in my opinion, have been beyond validated. The effect that the Reebok deal would have on the fighters and the sport. We said the Fertitas were packaging the promotion to sell it well over a year before it even happened. And I think ultimately, you always want to leave something better than you found it. And even though the sport is not better than I found it, I think in some respects, our role in continuing to be at the front of the TRT issue and warning about it years before when no one was even talking about it, when the Chael Sonnen hearing was so public. We aggressively covered it here, outed every lie, every ridiculous and inaccurate statement made by different athletes, their managers, Dana White's flip-flops and inaccuracies on the topic, the, the sheer incompetence on the part of many of the commissions. We covered every inch of it until it was gone. 
And I'm thrilled about the fact that it is gone, but let's remember, it's only gone because of the heat and embarrassment of the mainstream coverage by ESPN, which we were pushing and and getting people to take notice of literally for four years. Unfortunately, it was not about, in my opinion, any commission or promotion's sincere desire for the protection of the health and safety of the fighters or fundamental fairness, or it would have been gone a long time before. I'm also proud that years ago, there was an assemblyman by the name of Bob Riley, who was the, the loudest voice against mixed martial arts in New York when they were fighting it, getting licensed and sanctioned and so on. And I debated him and destroyed him respectfully. And he had done tons of MMA interviews before that. He never did another one again. So you think Naganu put it on Overeem. You should go listen to that episode. So why leave now? 500 episodes in. The truth is, my passion for the sport, and I put sport in air, in air quotes, is not the same because they're destroying the sport. And by the way, I, I have uh, one of our Truth Army members emails me a lot. Apparently, he takes in a lot of the MMA podcast space. Um, and he tells me, he writes to me every couple of weeks that another podcast is shutting down, another show is going away. Listen, when media is shrinking, when people are less interested in committing time and energy to cover your sport, promote your sport, talk about your sport, write about your sport, it is yet another metric that things are not going in the right direction. It's not about me leaving. It's about numbers of people leaving. There's just too much MMA. The numbers prove saturation, pushing fans away from the sport because I said a long time ago, it should never be difficult to be a fan. And the overwhelming majority of the fights, as we have explored here many times, mean nothing. So unless you just like the violence, unless you just like two people fighting and you'll watch any two people fight, fights have to mean something. There's got to be a reason that you're going to watch these fights. And, and look, I know on the prelims it, there's going to be less of a reason, but you go down these main cards, and for the most part, you shrug your shoulders. You go, okay, whatever. You don't go, wow, can't wait to watch that fight. Wow, what's going to happen? If that guy wins, is he going to get a title shot? No, we don't do that anymore. Um, fight pass. An inferior product. Fights that are not good enough for FS1 or FS2, but they made the money grab to make you pay for them. And at the end of the day, look, I do two things on the show, opinion and analysis, right? Whether it's about fights, whether it's about issues, I think our, our sweet spot has been the issues and holding people accountable. And there have been so much BS, lies, flip-flops, contradictions, ridiculous decisions, and statements made by Dana White, by other officials from the UFC, that I feel like I'm putting so much time and energy pointing all these things out because few will, but I don't envision doing that for the next 10 years. The sport's changed a lot, 
but none for the better in my opinion. And don't don't get it twisted and don't take me wrong. I have nothing but respect for the overwhelming majority of the fighters. But the sport is long past its best days. It's too diluted now. Too many divisions, too many cards, too many meaningless fights, too many fighters. And if you have to do this many cards because of TV obligations, then they should be doing less fights per card. So it's not a seven-hour commercial-ridden cluster. And cut the roster back. Cut it back. Instead of giving Fight Pass life support by diluting cards so you have something to put on there, cut it back. These events feel like marathons for what you get, for the number of fights that you're watching, both UFC and Bellator. And I'm not going to focus much on Bellator this week because I already did a week or two ago significantly. Uh, We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the cards themselves and where things seem to have gone in the wrong direction. This is former heavyweight champion Randy the Natural Couture, and you're listening to Pro MMA Radio. So let's talk a little bit about the dilution. The cards are levels below where they could and used to be. And again, the ratings prove it. Across all four women's divisions, there are less than 10 that anyone really cares about. It was always about Ronda Rousey. Now 145 is a microcosm of that being all about Cyborg. And most people can't name the 125-pound champion. And this is what happens when you structurally change sports and divisions because of one person. It's simply too much too soon when it comes to the women's side. Could they do two divisions? Sure. Four divisions? Absolutely not. Complete dilution. Um, And this desperation to have titles on the line at every pay-per-view. And by the way, if women, I've said it before, if women would, if fans were desperate for women's fights, Invicta TV would be a thing. Invicta would be on TV, and it isn't. And Shevchenko versus Correra is an example of how shallow that side of the sport is. Valentina Shevchenko, clearly the number 125-pound fighter in the world, is fighting a woman making her UFC debut. Think about that. And remember, before people think, oh, he doesn't like women fighters, Amanda Nunes was my fighter of the year in 2016. I was the first media member ever, about seven years ago, to say that Cyborg had to be on the pound-for-pound list. Yeah, before it was cool. And Shevchenko is one of my top five fighters in the entire promotion. One of my favorites to watch. But there just isn't enough high-level talent to go around yet. And the numbers and the lack thereof prove that. Absent a few outliers, the numbers are all still about Ronda Rousey. And one of the reasons they exploded the women's side is because they have this misdirected idea that you have to have title fights on every pay-per-view card and as many cards as possible. But we know that's where the interims came from. We'll get to that in a second. But it used to be the idea that it was the best versus the best. But it's really not anymore. 
It's undeserved title shots. People getting title shots coming off of losses. Silly interim belts that have absolutely no business being made. A guy with a lot of Twitter followers like Phil Brooks fighting in the Major League of MMA while his wrestling coach and perhaps the best 170-pound fighter to ever fight in mixed martial arts can't get signed because Dana White doesn't like Ben Askren. Think about that. It's just not true sport anymore. Call it the Chael McGregor effect, but it's a joke. The rankings don't mean anything. Money fights became a thing. Interim belts, two division challengers like Holly Holm, who has one win in the last two years over the worst fighter to ever challenge for a UFC belt, getting two shots at manufactured history. There is no athletic divisional integrity. And as I talk about it, it sounds like an out-of-control circus, because it is. Then you have the selective and subjective treatment of different fighters, like the selective treatment under the Code of Conduct. Nothing ever happened to Conor McGregor for what he did at Bellator. That is a sin. That tells you more about what this is all about. Money. No commission stepped in. No UFC. Nothing. Nothing. They all just stuck their middle finger in the air. There are no standards or consistency at all. And that goes for everything. And by the way, again, in real sports, generally there's some consistency. Interim title shots. When? Why? No consistency. We've proposed it should be a set time frame. Who deserves title shots? Well, you could be coming off a loss and get a title shot. You could be coming off a seven-win fight, win streak and get nothing. The code of conduct, who gets paid what or at all when their opponent can't fight or badly misses weight. Reebok and USADA with no say from the, from the fighters who are, in my humble opinion, employees and being conveniently classified as independent contractors so that they can be taken advantage of. I list these things because it's all left me far less passionate about the sport because it's being run like a dictatorship and entertainment content, not a sport. And I find myself opening up various MMA websites every morning and more or less, like I said before, shrugging my shoulders at 90% of the stories and fight announcements on there. UFEC is a complete mess in my opinion. Bellator isn't much better, even though I had high hopes for them. And there's really no one else to honestly talk about at the moment. It is now firmly, unquestionably entrenched as more entertainment than sport. Not inside the cage. I I again say massive respect for the fighters, massive respect for anybody who puts those gloves on and locks that door. But outside the cage... Looking a whole lot more like professional wrestling to me for a very, very, very long time. WME is an entertainment company. They view this as content to monetize, not a sport to grow. And please don't give me the, well, it's a business. All sports are a business. But in real sport, it's sport first, entertainment second. UFEC is the opposite now, which means outside the cage, outside the cage, It is a crappy version of the WWE. 
Listen, if a boring team makes it to the Super Bowl, the World Series, or a small market team, you market it. Sometimes you get Lakers versus Knicks, and that's the bonanza. That was Chael Anderson, one and two. But how about you do a better job marketing the people who deserve to be there? How about that? Because in real sports, winning counts. You don't talk yourself into championship games or title opportunities. You win and advance. And they aren't run by dictators. Real sports are competition first. Business being built around the competitive integrity. Not the other way around. But sports entertainment, big difference. The other thing is that with pro wrestling, you can be a weekly thing. Because your biggest stars can be on every week. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works, like that commercial says. I'll reiterate again, and I know I'm being redundant in this regard. I will always have the utmost respect for the fighters and what they do. Always. It is the greatest human chess match that has ever existed, in my opinion. Overcoming the stress and anxiety to do it that only a very small percentage of humans could ever do. But all the other stuff is just not fun anymore. And I feel like I have done a lot to shine a light on a lot of the hypocrisy and everything else, and you want to affect change. I think we did affect change with TRT, affected change with some other issues behind the scenes. But there's only so much you can do as one person, and at this point, I don't ever see the, the toothpaste going back in the tube. It takes a lot of time and energy to listen to the videos and to the, all the interviews and to follow it closely enough for me to do the show at the level that I feel committed to doing it at. I feel like every listener deserves that. I feel like our military members deserve that. But it's become a lot of negative energy for me now because there's so much BS going on that we're exposing and talking about that that's what I'm kind of rummaging through all week. Now, if you're a media person, a journalist out there, and I know that we have a lot because I've been told by some directly indirectly. We even had a tweet this week with a gentleman who said that he's uh, gone into journalism in part, not, not fully, but in part because of listening to me here. And what I would say, whether you're in the MMA media or any other part of media, is remember, who will guard the guardians if not you? How about the promotions, the state athletic commissions, fighters who lie and cheat, USADA, question things, use the smell test, but the overwhelming majority doesn't, and that's why I call them the bobblehead media. There is an embarrassingly low percentage who question things and dig in a bit, but it is truly a microscopic percentage, an embarrassingly low percentage. The rest, for the most part, are glorified UFC PR reps, sometimes even self-confessed partners or quasi-employees, for God's sakes, trying to pretend that they're independent and biased. And I know plenty of them listen. 
people inside promotions, commissions, media. I've gotten many emails linking to stories on major websites that were clearly responding to or, quote, borrowing, otherwise known as stealing or discussing issues that were raised and analyzed here for the first time, which is fine because my goal has always been get it out there and let them be held accountable. All right, we go to quick break. When we come back, I'll have a couple of suggestions as to what might improve the sport, and then we will have lots of thank yous, and I'll tell you some of, at least some things I'm thinking about in terms of the direction that I'm going to go. Thank you again, and we'll be right back. Hey, this is John Jones, and I listen to Pearl MMA Radio. In the spirit of having solutions, not just talking about problems. And a lot of these things are going to sound familiar. I want to do a kind of rapid-fire segment on how I think the sport could be much more exciting, better, and revisit some of its former glory. In some respects, the toothpaste is out of the tube, too many divisions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, the first thing I would do to increase excitement and encourage more finishes as I would use a smaller cage. Uh, statistically, there is no question that the WEC cages in the same weight divisions, in fact, Reed Kuhn uh, did an article analyzing the similar divisions over a, believe, a six or seven year period. And it was demonstrated that in the bantamweight, featherweight, lightweight, welterweight divisions that crossed over between the (laughs) WEC and the UFC, that the percentage of finishes in the WEC was dramatically higher because the fighters had less area to escape to, if you will. So that's the first thing I would do. The other thing I would do is I would replace the BS fight night bonuses with declining finishing bonuses. I've said this many, many times in the past. I would give 40000 for a first-round finish, 30000 for a second-round finish, and 20000 for a third-round finish. Let the fighters control their own destiny and not be subject to what Dana White or anybody else thinks in the back room as to who gets greased. It would put it in the fighters' hands. Now let's move on to the officials in the athletic commissions. The judging, the 10-point must system is a joke. Our judges are terrible. The system is no good. You can win two very, very close rounds, get demolished in a third round, and you will often escape with a win anyway. It would be great if the 10-10s and 10-8s and even 10-7s were used appropriately, but they're not the majority of the time. So if it were me to simplify things, I would give one fighter a win on a judge's scorecard for the entire fight and not break it up into rounds so that you would get fighters game planning less. Like, can I just, okay, I'm up by two rounds. If I just lay on this guy for the third, then I can win the fight. Or am I up narrowly? Am I up a lot? Um, I think that that judging would go better, but it won't happen. And the idea that we should, quote, never leave it in the hands of the judges is just a way of saying that we have incompetent judging in MMA, like we have incompetent refereeing. I've said many times, take a point for all fouls and watch how fast they go away. Not all these warnings, not all these referees coaching fighters in the cage, telling them what to do and not do and all this other crap, which has not happened in any other, quote, sport, I mean real sports. But somebody commits a foul, take a point. Watch how fast the points go away. And... 
accountability. The athletic commissions have no accountability when it comes to demanding accountability from their officials. You want proof? We're talking about the same incompetent judges and referees today that we were talking about 10 years ago. Might even be worse because it's like a tenured position. You almost have to kill somebody in there or let somebody die if you're a referee or you have to get it completely wrong 100 times. Stop it. Accountability. The athletic commissions are comically incompetent. You have customer service Bob licensing McGregor Mayweather, bending over backwards for his, quote, clients, drug testing incompetency, no accountability for bad judging or officiating, Bernie Profato sanctioning Phil Brooks as a professional fighter, and who can forget the Wisconsin commission that gave Ben Rothwell a TUE for TRT when he told him he needed it because he had damaged his brain in a car accident. And then they wouldn't penalize him after he overused because they said it wasn't in their bylaws. What I also think would be better for the fighters is uniformity. You cannot have different rules governing different events in different states. It is asinine. There must be rules, time frames for stripping belts, interim titles, merit-based, not trash-talking matchmaking, and the code of conduct should be applied evenly. I would also dump Reebok and get out of that deal. It can't be working out for them. I would dump your stupid ranking system that make no sense and are incompetent anyway. You all know from listening when it comes to the weigh-ins that I would give the fighters back the IVs, administer them by the promotion four hours post the weigh-in window, and drug test right before giving the IV for those that want it. I would also move the, the, the weigh-ins either... 24 hours before like they used to be, not the morning crap, or 48 hours before. When it comes to Ubada, look, I don't trust them. The, the Lesnar situation at UFC 200 was a travesty. Most of the Bobblehead media's handling of it was just as bad and made them complicit, but they never fixed it. There's no transparency. You can't know what they pop for. You can't know who's in the testing pool. And I'm sorry, in my opinion, Nowitzki should go. There is no firewall between USADA and the UFC. He's a glorified PR rep or attorney for the fighters that that destroys any credibility that the program has. If it were me, I'd get rid of USADA altogether. I think their history in the, in the Eric Morales fight, the Lesnar scenario, Floyd and his IVs for the Pac-Man fight, Look, it's different when they have a client to service than when they're testing for the government for the Olympics with a big fat grant from Congress. Their refusal to expedite testing within 30 days of an event after the Lesnar disaster tells you everything that you have to know. And last but not least, I'm sorry. I think it's time for Dana White to go. He was the perfect guy to go from point A to point B. He was the absolute wrong guy, in my opinion, to go from B to C. Look at the disaster that is the UFC now, in my opinion, and you see the brainchild of Dana White without Lorenzo to at least rein him in. He's about arrogant spin and straight-up favoritism based on who he likes and spends more time tearing fighters down than lifting them up. And at the end of the day, let's not forget, that he admittedly acted against the UFC's business interests in allowing McGregor to fight Mayweather. And that, my friends, 
is what I would do to fix the state of MMA today. Hey, it's Steve Austin. You're listening to Pro MMA Radio with Larry Peppy. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Many of you have been nice enough to express interest and ask, what's next for me? What am I going to be doing? Etc. Um, first, let me talk about that in terms of MMA. Obviously, I will be stepping away uh, for a while. I will still be watching the sport and following it, just not as closely as I have to do a show like this every week and not suffering through as many meaningless fights. So like a fan, I will more choose the fights that are of interest to me. I'm sure I'll watch most of the main cards, etc. But I'm still going to be keeping an eye on a sport. I'll still be watching fights. So I know that many of you follow me on Twitter, at Larry Pepe, uh, on Facebook, Larry Pepe. And I'm going to give you an email where any of you are more than welcome to communicate with me anytime you'd like um, at pep, P-E-P, at MaximumResult.com. And there is no S at the end of result. So pep at MaximumResult.com. I've also kept open the idea that maybe down the road I would revisit some type of podcast or something like that. But I truly don't know. Because for me, um, let me give you an analogy. If you've ever dated somebody that you were really passionate about, really into, and then at some point that passion went away, but it was still comfortable, but you knew you weren't going to marry them. And you stay with them because they're comfortable, but at the end of the day, you know you're not going to be with them a couple of years from now. And it's easy to stay in the comfortable place. But ultimately, you never move on to something that is better and more suited for where you are in your life now. And I feel like MMA is that person. It's comfortable. But to move on to the next thing that will be more meaningful and more in line with where I see my future, I need to end that relationship. And I've owned a website called inspireyou.com for a decade. Uh, I say a website. I really own the URL. (laughs) There is no website. And there have been many times that I wanted and planned to turn my attention to doing some work in that arena that would really be about helping other people um, reach their potential, achieve success. I've been very blessed and I've worked my ass off as well to have a lot of success in a lot of different areas of my life professionally and in business and so on. And I've always kind of had a desire to share whatever I could that might help other people, enrich other people in some way. And ironically, my experience with the gifts that many of you gave me this week uh, when you heard that the show was ending and sharing with me how the show had been a positive influence or a positive part of your week for many years, almost emboldened in this kind of interesting, symmetrical way that that is what makes me happiest. 
when I feel like I am doing that. I'm in, inspiring, helping, entertaining, educating. That's where I live. And MMA has been my vehicle to do that. And I don't undermine that. I don't, I don't make light of that. But it's not my vehicle to do it going forward. And I would like to uh, turn more attention. Who knows? It's going to take a while. It might be a book. It might be the website. But I feel like that is the direction that I want to go. That's what I want the next 10 years to be about. Not pointing out all the lunacy that goes on with the UFC, Bellator, or USADA. Or I've done that. Been there done that. So now I want to turn to my thank yous. My first, of course, is my mother, Helen, because she has been my rock. She has been my best friend. Uh, She has been the wind beneath my wings, as you say. And she was the one, as I mentioned in the first segment of this week's show, who really had the idea for this. So if you have enjoyed it, thank Mama Peppy. I also want to thank Jeff Meyer, Uriah Faber, and James Irvin, because had I not brought Uriah Faber and James Irvin on that other show that I talked about, had Jeff Meyer not made that phone call and said, hey, you really need to be doing something with this, I don't know that I really would have pursued it and done it. And I thank them all for that. Uh, Isaac Hines and Rob Zarolo. Isaac was the website designer for Pro MMA Radio, did a fantastic job. Rob Zarolo has been my engineer for years now, and he is the one who pieces it all together, and they have done great work. There are some good media people, believe it or not, who aren't afraid to tell the truth and who have supported this show from episode one to episode 500. Jesse Holland at MMA Media. Angel Cordero, who used to have an entity called the MMA Truth, DJ San Marco, uh, Dave Farah, Sean Reynolds, and others, like Steve Bortstein, who came on board when I was with Fox Sports Radio, has been with me ever since. I've done regular appearances on his show uh, on the Fox affiliate in New Mexico. I will continue to do that because he has become a dear friend. Uh, And also, I mentioned Sean Reynolds, and I should mention that I did not want to leave the cupboard bare. I feel like when there's a problem, you need to bring forth a solution. And I approached AFN because Sean Reynolds is a guy I've known for a long time, used to serve in the military. I knew that AFN would need an MMA program to fill the space in the time slot that Pro MMA Radio had, and I approached them with Sean, and he will be hosting on AFN a new show called the MMA Fight Show that will start next week in this same time slot. So for those listening on AFN, you will be in good hands, and I will be on his first episode uh, to, in essence, introduce him to you and hand off mixed martial arts to a very capable voice who will handle AFN going forward. also want to thank the sponsors of this show. I mentioned Will Wiedemann from Bodybuilding.com. He was a driving force early. Bodybuilding.com was a massive outlet that put this show out there 
uh, to a massive audience where we had tremendous success and, and became their, their favorite show. Uh, Muscle Tech, Ultimate Nutrition, and Cytosport, who came on board with us two years ago and really have been fantastic, fantastic uh, sponsors to the show and supporters of what we do. Also want to thank Don Martin from Fox Sports Radio. Don was the head of Fox Sports Radio. Uh, I met with him. He immediately hired me, and I was always thankful for that. And, of course, from AFN, uh, my big thanks go out to Jeff Riley, who used to run AFN, and he found me and brought me to AFN, told me that he had listened to a whole bunch of MMA shows and liked what I did more than anybody else because we spoke the truth and we were hard-hitting and honest and asked me if I would be open to bringing the show to AFN. And my response to him was not just open but excited. And it has been just fantastic. And, of course, Scott Stover, who is now at AFN, took over for Jeff and has kept us going and has been supportive of what we do as well. And I am thankful that Don, Jeff, and Scott, running platforms that reach millions of people nationally and internationally, thought enough of my work to bring me on board and give me a massive platform and continued to think enough of my talent that it was always my decision to hang up the mic, if you will. Um, I want to thank the troops around the world. It has been one of the proudest things that I have ever done to be your voice for MMA and to feel like with the amazing sacrifice that you make for me and us so that guys like me can do what I do, that hopefully I've been able to be a one-hour diversion each week that makes you laugh, educates, entertains, and gives you that place to go to get away from the bigger issues that you deal with on a day-in and day-out basis. And to my listeners, my Twitter followers, my Facebook friends, or what I call the Truth Army, you are my MMA family and have been. And without you and the tremendous, vocal, aggressive support that you have given me, none of this None of this would have been possible. I honestly feel, I've said it before, that I have the best listeners in the world of MMA, bar none. You didn't want fluff. You didn't want bobbleheads regurgitating whatever Dana or the UFC PR department said. You all wanted the truth. You wanted hard-hitting, honest analysis, and it's been my absolute honor that you give me an, uh, an hour of your time every week to do my best to give it to you. I don't know what the future holds, but please follow me on Twitter, email me, Facebook me. I love all of your feedback, anything that you want to share, check in anytime. But I will say this, if you have enjoyed my work half as much as I have been honored that you chose to sit and listen to me every week, then we both win. So I'll leave you with two simple words. Thank you. The fundamental question that is faced by sports is 
do they want? Well, the industry ever allows somebody to tell the truth on the air. But I don't think that today that will ever happen again. I don't think the industry will allow it.